Good evening. Welcome to Donnell Edwards' Viewpoint. Your program with nationally recognized guests who are experts in their fields discussing today's most pressing issues and where your viewpoints matter. So call with your question or comments about this week's topic or whatever else may be of concern to you. Just call Donnell at 563-999-3660 to share your viewpoint. Now, with this week's guest, here's your viewpoint host, Donnell Edwards. Welcome to Donnell Edwards Viewpoints, and I am your host, Donnell Edwards. We thank you for joining us for tonight's program, and we think you're going to enjoy it. The topic under discussion is changing the parenting paradigm, shifting from rules to tools, and we'll tell you what that's all about. It is March, and this is Women's History Month, and in celebration of the outstanding contributions of women to our society, the CWR Talk Network is proud to present a series of short audio vignettes about some of the women who were pioneers in the fight for women's rights. And although we can't feature all of the women who have made outstanding contributions because it would just be impossible, there's so many, uh, we do feel like we have selected uh, a group that is representative of the phenomenal contributions women have made in all areas of our society. So we encourage you to join us in saluting the contributions of women to our world, and we hope you will enjoy listening to these vignettes on the CWR Talk Network. Before we begin tonight, uh, we're going to take a short break, and when we, we return, we'll discuss with our special guest, changing the parenting paradigm, shifting from rules to tools, and how this change helps parents and children. So please stay tuned. listening to the CWR Talk Network, America's voice for causes, issues, and life empowerment. This is the CWR Talk Network, hashtag one million strong. online, you can be a witness and make a difference by letting the world know it isn't cool and by letting your friend know you care. Learn more at eyewitnessbullying.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council. She was a great inspirational leader. She rallied hundreds of thousands of women. Susan B. Anthony changed the course of history for women in the United States. At the beginning of her career, of her dedication to women's rights, she was much despised. Her arrest for voting in the 1872 presidential election and eventual trial paved the way for women's political rights. One of the things she brought to the women's movement was a tremendous faith. Susan B. Anthony was born in 1820 in Adams, Massachusetts. She was from a tight-knit Quaker family who believed in education. In the Quaker meeting house, men and women spoke equally. And so Susan B. Anthony thought that that's the way it was everywhere. The reality was most women were uneducated, could not own property, had few legal rights, and were subservient to men. And Susan B. Anthony wanted equal rights under the law for both sexes. 
Anthony met Elizabeth Cady Stanton, the architect of the first women's rights convention in Seneca Falls, New York, and the duo teamed up. They were responsible for every right we have as women today. Stanton had that sort of intellectual vision. She had the way with words. And Anthony had from the beginning the vision of what it meant to build a movement. It was 1872 that Anthony caused a national sensation when she voted in a presidential election illegally. Her trial had an all-male jury, and Anthony was not permitted to speak on her own defense. The trial was rigged. Her vote didn't count, but she got great publicity value out of it. Anthony was fined $100, which she never paid. She did, however, continue to spread the word on women's rights throughout the U.S. and Europe. She appeared in front of every Congress from 1869 until 1906, the year she died. Women were finally given the right to vote in 1920. 16 years after Susan B. Anthony died. I think that every February 15th, women in this country should recognize that as Susan B. Anthony's birthday and just for a second, say thank you. listening to the CWR Talk Network, America's voice for causes, issues, and life empowerment. This is the CWR Talk Network, hashtag one million strong. If you just joined us, this is Donnell Edwards Viewpoints, and our topic tonight is changing the parenting paradigm, shifting from rules to tools, and our special guest is author, speaker, and parenting coach, Ms. Donna Valpita. Ms. Valpita is co-author of the book, The Resilience Formula, A Guide to Proactive, Not Reactive Parenting. She is the creator of the Resilient Mindset Model and co-creator of the Name Tags Education Program. She holds board positions for One Revolution Foundation and Kids Helping Kids, both of which develop resilience in youth. She is an expert contributor for Understood.org and presents at workshops throughout the country. Ms. Balpita, welcome to the CWR Talk Network and Donnell Edwards Viewpoints. We're glad to have you this evening. Thank you very much for having me. I'm glad to be here. Now, uh, Donnell, let me ask you this. Uh, Tell us about uh, YahThatGame.com, which is another organization you're part of. And what your coaching program, Got Kids, is all about. Yeah, yeah, that game, uh, dot com was started by Marlene Cover, who is a very energetic woman who started Parenting 2.0. And her, her she's sort of, I, I think of Susan B. Anthony and sort of starting a movement. And she's really starting a movement of we need to change the paradigm of what we look at in terms of life skills education. Right now, life skills we define as those skills that everybody uses. You think about you know, financial literacy skills. Right now we have technology skills, social skills, communication, all of those skills that we use throughout our lives. And right now our paradigm is that parents and teachers and everybody should be able to just know how to teach those. Um, and we want to change that to these are really skills that need to be taught. Um, I often go back to we tell kids use your words, and most of the time they don't have them. 
We need to teach them how to use their words. But most people really don't know how. We weren't taught that in school. We send kids to school to learn math and reading and writing and all of that, but we really need to intentionally teach these life skills. So we're um, a collaborative of life skills educators, uh, part of yeahthatgame.com, and we offer monthly calls, um, and then we also offer some um, – we have a Facebook page for each of the coaching clubs where we post information and give some tips for parents or um, anyone really who works with kids um, on how, how they might be able to really elevate the competencies. All of these are we're, we're at different levels of competencies. We're learning this stuff. Um, and so each of the clubs is dedicated to a different area. And we have two coaches for each club, and each club offers a monthly live call where anybody in the club can be on the call and ask questions. And we offer each month a challenge for all of the participants. And our particular club, um, I used to be part of a club called From Rules to Tools, which is where we started with this, with the theme of the radio show. Um, and unfortunately, my partner had some some um, personal things happened that she had to drop out of the clubs. Um, so I have a new partner, and we changed the name to Got Kids. And so what we wanted to say is we're going to give some some tips to anyone who works with kids. So whether you're parents or coaches or um, teachers, um, please join our call, and, and we'll talk about how can you create a learning environment to teach these life skills proactively. Okay, thank you very much for that. Uh, we uh, have had several of your coaches on the uh, program over the months, and as a matter of fact, we have another one coming on for Financial Literacy Month next month in April. And all of the coaches that have been on our program have just been outstanding with their knowledge and uh, sharing their experience and helping our our audience audience and our listeners to grow. Now, getting into our subject for this evening, and before we do that, uh, we're really focusing on, on parents, but uh, let me ask you, is, is this information that we're discussing about going from rules to tools, would that benefit anyone that works with children, whether they're uh, a primary caregiver that's not a parent or a coach or a teacher or anyone that's involved with children. I would actually even go further, and even though we're, you know, we're going to be focusing in on parenting, but I, I like to use the broader term leadership. Okay. Um, and I think that all of these from rules to tools, from, from all of the things that we're teaching about life skills, that works whether you're working with six-year-olds or whether you're working with corporate millennials um, or anyone. Um, as a corporate leader, I, I sometimes work with corporate leaders on how to create an environment of learning. How can we scaffold learning for people? How can we actively teach these communication skills and the life skills necessary to be successful? Okay, very good. So talking about changing the parenting paradigm from imposing a system of uh, rules with the application of uh, effective tools, uh, does this mean changing the many long-held parenting styles in use by most parents today? Yes. Um, so often 
Dr. Shimmy Kang, who was my my co-host before when, when we were doing the Rules to Tools, has a wonderful book that's called Dolphin Parenting, and she talks about the three different types of parenting styles. And there's, I love the fact, um, you know, they, they're named in different psychology networks, but she's done a really nice job of taking those different parenting styles and naming them for different animals. And she talks about the tiger parent as the one who, who sort of it's my way or the highway and micromanaging kids um, and telling them you have to do this. And that's, we, a lot of our parenting when we grew up was more like that. Or we have the jellyfish parent who wants to be their children's friend and, and has trouble setting those limits. Um, and that's, it, it's a learning process of learning that that's not what is necessarily best for our children. Um, and then she talks about dolphin parenting and setting those limits and setting those boundaries, but also being willing to listen. And the rules to tools is really looking differently at parenting. Um, so often we look at kids and think of misbehavior. We think they're being bad. Um, and really they need to, we need to give them the tools. We need to teach them how to act. And we assume they know, but very often they don't, or we can set up structures to help them get to those competencies, get to learning how to do things correctly. And the rules to tools is the idea of rather than micromanaging with, you have to do this and this and this and this and this and setting rules for everything, let's look at guiding principles to guide kids to get to that stage of independence and to really be able to think for themselves. So it really is a paradigm shift. It's sort of turning everything on its head. Okay. Uh, well, let, let me ask you this. I'm, I'm sure there's uh, listeners in our audience, you know, some parents who say, well, my parents raised me this way and I use that same concept and it works. What I'm doing is working fine. So I don't, I don't really need this. Uh, uh, so people who think like that or parents who think that way, uh, what would you say to them is a reason that, for this fundamental change uh, being necessary in, in the way that we parent our children? For one thing, I would say if we look at the data of what's happening to children, um, the micromanaging and the, the permissive parenting, um, we are in, in kind of a crisis right now um, of kids with anxiety, depression, and uh, suicidal tendencies. And we're looking at kids who are really in crisis when they're hitting teen years and young adult years. And the research really shows, we have years and years of research of those parenting styles. And long-term studies really show that the tiger parenting and the um, the jellyfish parenting really lead to kids who have more difficulties later in life. So it may seem like everything is okay right now, but as they get older and they're required to do things on their own, some of that micromanaging or permissive parenting can make it more difficult for them later. Okay. So we're always looking sort of ahead, looking, looking at how do okay. we get them to be independent. 
Now, you mentioned something else that's just really important, too, and uh, I know you're involved with a relatively new concept, uh, brain basics, uh, using brain basics. Can, can you tell us what that's all about? Well, Brain Basics is actually an initiative out of the National Institute of Mental Health. And actually, I have not been involved with that so much as in my own work. I, my um, own company is called the Center for Resilient Leadership. And I have been very, very passionate about making the brain science as easy as possible. Um, I think it is critically important that everyone begins to understand how the brain works because we're learning so much about it. And the model that, I, that I've worked with is really easy enough for a six-year-old to understand. Um, it uses some characters and it teaches the brain's natural response to challenge. And it really makes it so that people can be more proactive, can be more intentional in terms of the choices that they make because it's really hard. We're parenting. There's this big switch with this technology movement, right? Now, all of a sudden, kids have these cell phones. Kids, kids are doing things differently than when we grew up. So we need to be ahead of the curve here. We need to understand what is happening. And the brain basics and the brain understanding, that neuroscience piece, can inform people, oh, this is what's happening in the brain. This is why my child is responding this way. This is why I'm responding this way, um, because we know so much more about that now. And I love the brain stuff because we can make it pretty simple. And when people understand it, it really informs the choices that they make. Okay. Uh, is this a relatively new science or a new area? Um, yes, in, particularly in terms of getting it out to the public. Um, I think that neuroscience has made great breakthroughs, um, and there's some stuff that we've known, but with there are new technologies that allow us to see the brain in a very different way. So we're knowing more and more and more about the brain um, with these fMRI scans. So it is informing us more and more and more. And what I really love doing is taking that information and taking it and making it into these metaphors to make it really, really simple to apply to everyday life. So I'll give you an example of that. I have characters in my model, um, and one of them is the, the grasshopper, which represents the limbic system of the brain, that emotional brain. And it's this picture of the grasshopper with his arms up in the air. And that really represents when we work hard to Work. Picture, picture a little boy or a little girl with their bike trying to get up the hill and they fall down. And then they try again and they fall down and they try again. And finally, after struggle and struggle and struggle, they make it to the top. And what's that chemical response? That's dopamine and, um, and endorphins just, just coming and saying, wow, you're great at this. You know, you worked hard, you succeeded, and it's a reward system for the brain. And it's sort of like a text message to the brain saying, that felt good, try it again. Work hard again towards a goal. And I always say to parents that that, that picture represents the fact that self-esteem isn't a gift that we can give our kids. 
it's a neurochemical response that we rob them of every time we do something for them that they can do themselves. Okay. And that's really powerful. I, I believe that. Now, uh, so once an individual has the, the training like you do to understand this brain science and brain basics, uh, then it enables that person to work with parents and children in a different way? Well, even I, I give talks to students and to parents and okay. to educators and to corporate people and just teaching them a little bit about the brain, I hope will help them to make a little bit more mindful choices to okay. understand that, you know, with that information about that grasshopper and, you know, maybe parents, in fact, I just gave a talk last week and somebody said, oh, every day I open my door for my daughter and I carry her backpack and I put it in the car with her and I close the door for her and I, and I buckle her into her seat. And I know she can probably do it herself. She said, I do it because I love her. And the truth is, she does. She does it because she loves her. But now she's going to be more thoughtful about that and, and teach her child to do it herself. And that doesn't mean she always has to do it. Um, I was laughing with somebody that, um, you know, sometimes I pour my husband cereal because I'm just, I know he can do it himself, but I do it to be nice. And that's okay but we have to understand why we're doing it. And we have to teach kids to do for themselves. Okay. Very good. Now, if you just joined us, this is Donnell Edwards Viewpoints, and our topic tonight is changing the parenting paradigm, shifting from rules to tools. And our special guest is author, speaker, and parenting coach, Ms. Donna Balpita. We would like to hear your viewpoint. You can call us. Uh, if you have a question or if you'd like to talk to our guest, uh, Ms. Balpita, our number is 563-999-3660. That's 563-999-3660. Now, when you call, please remain on the line, and we'll get you your call as soon as possible. Uh, you will go into our phone system, uh, and uh, we'll get to you as uh, quickly as we can. That number again is 563-999-3660. Now, when we return, we'll be discussing with Ms. Valpita the effect undiagnosed mental health issues has on the parent and child conflicts. This is the CWR Network, hashtag one million strong. message is for all of you sitting in the passenger seat, and apologies if it gets a little uncomfortable, but how does it feel to be at the mercy of someone who thinks a random text is more important than your life? Someone who takes their eyes off the road while speeding along in a three-ton hunk of steel. Freaky, right? Well, why not just ask them to stop? Or better yet, volunteer to text for them. It might be a little awkward, but believe me, you'll live. Learn more at StopTextStopRex.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. Why is Connor having trouble focusing in school? Having trouble finding Connor Middle School? Would you like directions? No. Why is Connor having trouble focusing in school? Finding lowest airfare to Istanbul. No, I'm I'm tired of fighting with him over homework. 
home walk restaurant. Need a review? No, I need help. He's very smart, but his mind wanders. He's disorganized. I think I understand. Oh, good. Finding best potatoes for French fries. No! Russet, fingerling, Yukon oh, gold. Why don't you understand me? Sorry, I was trying to show how Connor feels every day. Frustrating, isn't it? Redirecting to understood.org. For the one in five kids with learning and attention issues, this is what life can feel like. Explore understood.org, a free online resource about learning and attention issues designed to help your child thrive in school and in life. Understood.org, because understanding is everything. Brought to you by understood.org and the Ad Council. You're listening to the CWR Talk Network, America's voice for causes, issues, and life empowerment. This is the CWR Talk Network, hashtag one million strong. Welcome back. If you just joined us, this is Dono Edwards Viewpoints. Tonight's topic for discussion is changing the parenting paradigm, shifting from rules to tools, and our very special guest is author, speaker, and parenting coach, Ms. Donna Valpita. We'll get back to uh, our topic and uh, our guest here in just a moment. But before we continue, we'd like to recognize our CWR Talk Network Corporate Citizen of the Month, Dick's Sporting Goods. Dick's Sporting Goods has a history of being a good corporate citizen, and we're recognizing the company for their recent action to immediately discontinue the sale of assault-style rifles and high-capacity magazines and requiring all purchases of guns to be at least 21 years of age, regardless of the local laws. Dick's Sporting Goods has taken this action in a very volatile political climate that is sure to cause them backlash from gun lobbies and others opposed to stricter gun control and may result in financial loss. However, in spite of this knowledge, Dick's Sporting Goods did the right thing, the responsible thing. And as a result of this, the CWR Talk Network is proud to recognize Dick's Sporting Goods as our Corporate Citizen of the Month for March. And now we return to our program. If you just tuned in, we're discussing changing the parenting paradigm Shifting from Rules to Tools with our special guest, author, speaker, and parenting coach, Ms. Donna Volpita. Donna, how much of the issue of parent-child conflict, uh, lack of parental respect, fights over following rules, and other issues in the parent-child relationship is the result of mental health issues? It's interesting because it, it's hard to give a, a clear answer to that what I have been talking about lately is in in fact in some ways the flip of that how what we are doing as parents can begin to prime the brain for mental health issues such as anxiety depression and and those types of mental issues that we're seeing um, in the news time and time again Um, there are just the the suicides among teens and young adults have skyrocketed. We're, they're higher than they've ever been. And the um, rates of anxiety and depression. So those are the three areas that I really focus in on. And 
part of that is we go back to that parenting and how are we teaching kids to be independent. And really, one of the things that we've seen that helps prevent anxiety, depression, suicide, and those types of mental health issues is resilience. And I always consider resilience our response to any challenge, good, bad, big, or small. So when we are teaching children how to handle challenges from a very young age, so I'll go back to before the break, we were talking about that mom who said, well, I love my child, so I was strapping her in and I was opening her door and I was you know, taking her backpack for her, the message that we're giving to kids is that they're unable to do that themselves. And I, I use the, the um, description, most people think of the opposite of depression as happiness, and they think of the opposite of anxiety as calmness. And I would say the opposite of both of them is action. Okay. If we think about our fight, flight, or freeze response, Flight is depression, and freeze is anxiety. And the opposite of that is feeling like we know how to handle that challenge, and we have the ability to handle that challenge. So we can act. So we all know people who have had really challenging things happen to them, and they say, okay, what am I going to do about this? And then we all know people who, who say, oh, this is too overwhelming. Every challenge that children face, I say resilience is our response to challenge, and that response is based on the way we think about four S's, ourself, the situation, our support structures, and our strategies. So every single time kids are handling a challenge, we can use those four S's to help guide them in how can they handle that challenge on their own. And did your strategy work? What are you going to do next time? What are the supports you can go to? So we're always, as parents, teaching them to handle challenges on their own. And then when they get to those greater challenges in college or when they're, they're young adults and getting jobs, they have the strategies, the self-concept, the supports in place for them to, to handle those challenges. But they need to be taught. Okay. Now, uh, you mentioned something that really caught my attention about the, the parents and their parenting style contributing to anxiety and depression and could subsequently uh, lead to uh, mental health issues. So what do you recommend in regard to parents monitoring or self-assessing their parenting style to make sure that they avoid causing this kind of anxiety and depression that could be harmful to their children? I always say being mindful and our, our, unfortunately our brains sort of work against us. Our initial response as parents, we want to protect our kids. We want them to be happy. We want them to be safe. We want them to not experience that, that uncomfortable feeling of struggle, right? When they're little, we want to help them. We don't want them to struggle through. But it is through that struggling that they learn the skills to survive. I, I used the metaphor of um, a butterfly when a butterfly is in a cocoon, 
and it's changing into a butterfly. If when it's in that cocoon, you help it out, it will die. It can't survive because it's only through the struggle of breaking out of that cocoon that the wings get strong enough to be able to fly. So if, if someone comes by and sees this butterfly struggling to get out of the cocoon and says, oh, I want to help that, and so they, they help it out, the butterfly will die. So it's important for us as parents. We want to help our kids out just like that butterfly, but it's only through the struggle of when, when they're young that they learn those skills to be able to survive in life. So we need to be it's, – it's so many times it's biting your tongue. And typically when kids are mad at us, they're uncomfortable because they're growing. It's stretching them, and it's hard. And, you know, I always laugh. I have four <laughs> kids. And sometimes when my kids are mad at me, I'm like, yes, I know they're <laughs> growing. I know they're doing what they need to do. And it's okay if they're mad at me. And sometimes they say things that I know they're going to regret. And then they come back and they apologize. And we need to let them do that. We need to let them be mad at us. Because it's hard. It's a hard place to be. But we okay. need to teach them how to respond. Very good. Now, uh, you you really encourage creating a safe haven for children and making sure that the children are instilled with the confidence in their parents and have a uh, feeling of being safe around their parents. So how, how do, how can parents do that, especially with difficult children? It's hard sometimes. Um, But when, when we look at the emotional brain, what I call the grasshopper, the limbic system, or the emotional part of the brain. It gets mad. It wants to fight. And just like I was saying, when, like, when, when kids are mad, sometimes they say things that they don't mean because those grasshoppers, when they, when they want to fight, when we're angry, we want a fight. So we're going to try and pull somebody into that fight. And as parents, it's really important that we don't get pulled in. That we, that we disengage ourselves and not get angry at what's happening in that point and waiting till our kids are able to calm down and waiting until they're, they're not angry anymore and then being able to use the time to, um, to reflect on it and say, hmm, what happened here? Why were you so angry? Let's look back at what happened here and be able to, to move on. I often say to parents, this is when you should take out your iPhone <laughs> because you're so angry <laughs> when they're saying stuff. Like, disengage. Don't engage. Um, and when my kids were little, they'd be screaming at me, I hate you. And, and really, they come to regret it. And the more we engage in it and the more we we fight back with them, the more they're going to fight us and the more they're going to regret later. So the best thing we can do is let them get through it and let them, let them um, move through and then come back to us and apologize and, and not get angry at them for doing something that's natural. Actually, when kids tantrum, particularly when young kids tantrum, often what happens is it's a buildup of neurochemicals in the brain. And when they 
cry or when they scream, it actually rebalances their neurochemicals. So it's actively pro, it's really proactively good for the brain. Okay. Now, uh, you, you mentioned previously about children learning and I think you gave the example of uh, your own children in certain situations you say they're, they're getting it, they're learning. So can you, can you uh, elaborate a little more on the difference between learning and misbehaving? I often think that misbehaving is an opportunity for learning. That okay. Everything we are able to reflect when kids are misbehaving it's usually because they don't know what they are supposed to do or because they are in that emotional brain. Their brains are still developing. And frankly, we get angry too. We do things that aren't necessarily always the best thing to do. Um, But it's using that opportunity to learn about what might you want to do next time. What can we... um, I, I always I love to give the example. I was on the I used to be on the playground when my kids are, were little, and or playing with toys. And and when a toddler would want a toy that another toddler would have, they would of course take it because, you know, we think they're misbehaving, but they want the toy and they don't know how to get it. So, typically, parents will will go in and say, oh, no, you have to give back the toy. You're missing, you know, you can't take toys. And they think of that as misbehaving, but really it's a learning process. So I would say, you know what, instead of taking the toy, could you say, may I have a turn, please? And literally feeding that language. It's teaching them. It's a teaching opportunity. And they would repeat it back and say, can I have a turn, please? And, of course, the other child would say, no, because they don't know how you know, they're still playing with it and they don't have the tools to give it up and take turns. So I would say, you know what, you're probably not going to be playing with it for the rest of your life. So could you please say, I'll give you a turn when I'm finished. And when kids have that control, they're happy to do it. So usually misbehaving is an opportunity for learning. They just don't know how. Kids want the toy, but they don't have the language to get it. Once we teach them, they use the language. Okay, very good. Uh, you're listening to Donnell Edwards' Viewpoints, and our topic tonight is changing the parenting paradigm, shifting from rules to tools, and our special guest is author, speaker, and parenting coach, Miss Donna Valpita. If you would like to speak with our guest and share your viewpoint about uh, changing parenting styles, Give us a call right now at 563-999-3660. When you call, please remain on the line, and we'll get your call as soon as possible. That number again is 563-999-3660. When we return after these messages, we'll discuss why tools are better than rules. So please stay tuned. listening to the CWR Talk Network, America's voice for causes, issues, and life empowerment. This is the CWR Talk Network, hashtag one million strong. 
Today we decided to walk to school. The light counted. 15, 14, 31, I mean 13. We took a left on Carroll Street. Danny's smart, but he gets distracted. I realized he forgot his homework. I hope he doesn't have another bad day at school. When you can see learning and attention issues from their side, you can be on their side. That's why there's understood.org, a free resource for the parents of the one in five kids with learning and attention issues. Go from misunderstanding to understood.org. Brought to you by Understood and the Ad Council. The 1950s and 60s were a tumultuous time to be a young woman in Harlem, New York. But that's where Patricia Bath grew up, and it's where her parents would instill in her a lifelong passion for learning and giving back to her community. One of her first influences was Dr. Albert Schweitzer, who was giving medical aid in what was then known as the French Congo. Schweitzer's compassion led Patricia to a pursuit of humanitarian medicine. She received her medical degree from Howard University in Washington, D.C., and did her residency in ophthalmology at New York University. In 1981, she began work on an invention to remove cataracts using a laser. The laser FACO made cataract surgery faster, more accurate, easier, and less invasive than the old cataract scraping surgery. The device was patented in 1988, and Patricia Bath became the first African-American woman doctor to receive a patent for medical purposes. Patricia's dedication to battling blindness led her to co-found the American Institute for the Prevention of Blindness. The group's objective is to protect, preserve, and restore sight. listening to the CWR Talk Network, America's voice for causes, issues, and life empowerment. This is the CWR Talk Network, hashtag one million strong. Welcome back. This is Dino Edwards Viewpoints, and thanks for joining us for tonight's discussion, changing the parenting paradigm, shifting from rules to tools. We have the privilege of being joined tonight by distinguished author, speaker, and parenting coach, Ms. Donna Volpita. Donna, uh, most families have rules regarding various chores that children are expected to perform, and it's also very common in most families for children to resist or even refuse to do their chores. So how can transitioning from a rules approach to a tools approach help both the parent and the children eliminate this struggle within the family? I, I love this question because my favorite of the, of the tools, you know, we can have rules of you have to do this, 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 and this. Um, the, the biggest guideline that we have in our family is with privileges come responsibilities, with responsibilities come privileges. Okay. And pretty much everything falls under that. Um, so it's really easy to use that time and time again. Um, so with the chores, it's it's a matter of, you know, setting the expectations of once you do this, this, and this, then you can do this. It's sort of like as an adult. If I don't have my work done, I can't, I can't do what I really want to do. 
so it's a matter of planning ahead and saying, okay, I know that I really want to go to dinner on Friday night, so I need to make sure I have this set before that. Um, and we need kids to be able to make those choices on their own and, and be responsible for their own time management and put the structures in place so that they are able to do that. So when when our kids were young, we would always have a list of these are the things that you need to get done before you watch any video tonight or whatever it was. Um, it was typically video um, that before they were able to, to use any sort of video, these were the things they needed to do. As they were able to show that they were responsible, they were then able to say, you know what, I still have to take my shower, but can I do that after my video? And I'd say, sure. You know, with privileges come responsibilities. With responsibilities come privileges. You've shown that you're responsible enough so you can have the privilege of making the decision when you do that. And as they get older, they get more privileges. Okay. Does that make sense? The privileges, the rules are sort of for, one, for little things. You, you end up with a lot of rules as to what will happen. But the tools is a guideline that can sort of apply to anything. Okay. Uh, I think sometimes parents may have a struggle with being consistent, too, when they have a whole lot of rules. And it, it sounds yes. like having, having a tools uh, parenting style rather than a rules uh, parenting style would eliminate some of that. Is that, is that the case? Yes, because it's much more flexible. It might be that okay. I, you can apply it in different situations, and and we're setting expectations, and then we're giving them the tools to meet those expectations, and they can choose whether or not they do it. I I think of the rules thing; it it ends up being so punitive. We look at the rules, and if they don't meet that, they're breaking the rules, so we punish them. Mm-hmm. With the tools, we're giving them the tools to do it, and they make a choice. If they haven't done their stuff by the time it's video time, sorry, you know, you you just can't can't do video tonight. It's you know, it's your responsibility. If you don't meet that responsibility, you can't do it, and it becomes an expectation. Okay. Now, uh, just for emphasis, we've we've discussed this uh, quite a bit tonight, but just to emphasize. In uh, changing the parenting paradigm, why are tools better than household rules? And can you share with us uh, some more of the, the, the tools? You've already shared some, but can can you share some some more with us uh, before we conclude? Well, in terms of parenting, I think about the tools of setting up the structures for how am I going to teach kids to do this independently? Um, And so the tools for me are, if I want my child to do this independently, how am I going to set up structures to make it so that they can be successful in that with privileges come responsibilities? So it may be that some some kids need a checklist. Some kids need um, reminders to start off with. but we're scaffolding. We're always looking at what tools can we give to them to be successful, 
and how can we gradually move away the support that we're giving them? Okay. So we're expecting them to follow those, to, to use those tools to be successful, to meet the expectations. Okay. Very good. Now, uh, we don't want to leave anybody out. So do all of the things that we talked about uh, tonight apply to single-parent households, and can single parents achieve the same results using these strategies? Absolutely. It really applies to anyone, and in any situation where we're teaching, where we're working with, it applies to coaches, it applies to teachers, it applies to parents, it applies to corporate leaders, healthcare workers, anyone. Single parents are absolutely part of this. Now, one of the things about being a single parent is the more we can get our kids to be independent, the less time intensive it is to parent. Um, I always say, because I have four kids, and I say in some ways it's easier to make them independent because I just don't have time (laughs) to do everything for all of my kids. I can't do it. Um, So I, I laugh about the fact that my oldest started packing his own lunch when he was in fifth grade. My youngest started when he was in kindergarten because <laughs> I just didn't have time. And so I said to him, okay, you're in charge of your lunch. If you want help with it, ask your siblings. They know how to do it. So it was much easier. And in terms of single parenting, sometimes we feel guilty, so we feel like we should be doing all this stuff for kids. And the good news is we shouldn't. So in some ways it's a little bit freeing that once you put in the effort to teach your child to do things more independently, they'll be less dependent on you. And as single parents, it's really hard. There's a lot to do. So the more that you can make your kids independent, the better off they'll be and the better off you'll be to be able to take the time to parent and be a better person. Okay. Now, Donna, in uh, in conclusion, are there any final thoughts that you would like to leave with our listeners? I think the last thought is it's hard. <laughs> it's really <laughs> hard. And and that's why we're trying to change this paradigm because nobody should feel like – I mean, I, I, I went to the Apple store today, and I felt completely incompetent because I am not technologically savvy. But I don't feel like I should be an expert on technology. But everybody's supposed to be an expert in teaching kids, in parenting. It's not fair that we expect people to do that. We need to make it more accessible for people to understand because even when you know it all, it's, when, when you know what you're supposed to be doing, it's hard to do it. So I, I really look at the parents out there and say, wow, this is so hard. Get the support you need. Because there okay. are things out there that can be make it more helpful. Okay, very good. So how may our listeners contact you to learn more about your work and to get your book, The Resilience Formula, A Guide to Proactive, Not Reactive Parenting, or to hire you to speak to their company or organization? Well, I'm going to give you three different answers on that one. Um, okay. The book is available on Amazon. So that's easy to get through Amazon. Then uh, they can contact me through my website, Center for Resilient Leadership. And I will also, by 
hopefully next week we'll have a link to both the book and Yeah, That Game. Actually, I do have a link right now to Yeah, That Game. Um, and um, on my website, there's, there's the link to Yeah, That Game, or you can just go to yeahthatgame.com. Okay. So three ways to get in touch. <laughs> okay. Well, Donna, we thank you so much for helping us understand the benefits of changing the parenting paradigm this evening from a system of rules to the use of effective tools and how that may be accomplished. So on behalf of the CWR Talk Network, thank you for appearing tonight on our show, Donnell Edwards Viewpoints. And uh, we look and forward to having you. you back again. Okay. Thank, thank you so you. much. This is great. Okay. We would also uh-huh. like to thank uh, each of you, our listeners in CWR Nation, for joining us for tonight's broadcast. Uh, please uh, join my friend and fellow host on the CWR Talk Network, uh, Mr. Lionel Shipman, tomorrow night, that's Tuesday, at 7.30 Central and 8.30 Eastern for his program, the Lionel Shipman Shape Your Finances Show. And he has a very interesting topic that he's going to be discussing tomorrow night, and it's couples and money. So listen to Lionel, help listeners learn how to avoid allowing money to destroy their relationships. And following Lionel tomorrow night at 8.30 p.m. Central and 6.30 p.m. Pacific, join uh, Dr. Monica Y. Jackson for the journey uh, with this week's guest, Executive Chef Bill Blackburn, as they discuss eating out, making wise food choices without sacrificing taste. And I return next Monday, that's uh, March 12th, and we have a very special program. Uh, We get an insider's view on America's deplorable prison industrial complex as we present an expose of this flawed system with our special guest, Mr. Gary York. Mr. York is the author of the books, Corruption Behind Bars and The Inner Circle, and has almost three decades of experience in the correction system. So join us as we discuss how to fix America's broken prison system. And don't forget, we're also available now on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Plus, so you can listen to us whenever you choose. So that's it for tonight's program, and uh, has uh, it's become our custom. We leave you with uh, tonight's musical message for this week, which we dedicate to all parents, but especially to single moms who don't get near the credit they deserve for all that they do. So here is Cheryl Pepsi Riley and her big hit, Thanks for My Child. Enjoy, have a good night and a fantastic week, and we'll see you next Monday.
to the CWR Talk Network, America's voice for causes, issues, and life empowerment. This is the CWR Talk Network, hashtag one million strong.